Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mannequin Chill is back in session. It is week 14. We are a week away from the fantasy playoffs. Hopefully you haven't had a trade deadline yet, but if you have and you are out of it, which is the title of this week's show... Your team sucks. I don't want to say you suck. That's what Shane originally said, but we'll say your dynasty team sucks. Now what? It's the same difference. Like your dynasty teams define you as a person. So if your dynasty teams are doing poorly, then you are clearly a poor person. You are a bad person and probably not many people love you. That's just a fact. So, I mean, maybe that's just me. That's that's how I look at my dynasty rosters. Well, Shane, we love our listeners and our subscribers and they love this topic because there's a lot of them that are listening and are wondering, what do I do for the next three, four weeks before my league closes for the year, before everyone goes on a hiatus for the playoffs? Hopefully your league doesn't do that and there's still some activity, but generally your team is out of it. What do we do for the next month? So I'll let you start. This was your topic idea. I think there's a lot of ways we could go with this. You have over 30 teams. I have over 50 teams. So we both have teams that are in this situation. What are you doing? We have limited time between our content, our jobs, our lives, our other leagues. You have limited time. So if you're talking, you have maybe an hour this week to focus on a couple teams that are not in it. What are you doing, Shane? First things first, do we have draft capital? That's the most important thing, I guess, right? Do we have any? I'm looking at how am I going to turn this ship around? Like, I'm already planning that. Do I have parachutes that I can pull? Do I have a Jamar Chase that I can split? Do I have a Justin Jefferson that I can split if I need to? Not not that I want to. Do I need to? I'd say it's a start 11. I've been starting Michael Gallup and Marquise Hollywood Brown. Maybe it behooves me to get and just split an asset like Justin Jefferson and the two peoples. Jamar Chase went off for 180 yards, three touchdowns, because it's the week of three touchdowns. So everybody's excited again. Everybody's got the vapors again for Jamar Chase. So I'm looking at that. Like, do I have parachutes? Uh, I don't mean to dwell on that, but do I have parachutes to get out of this? Is there anything I can do on my roster to even gain a little bit more value? Even if it is, and we talk about this all the time, trading Samaj Pirines for a fourth. I have to make decisions. Am I willing to accept second round picks for players like Rashad White and Kyron Williams? Uh, the answer is no, but I have to at least think about it, right? I mean, if I'm not willing to accept second round picks, will I accept two second round picks? Will I try to get three second round picks? Are there players that I want to trade for that maybe don't exactly match a rebuilding roster, right? Like Nico Collins, Michael Pittman. You want an automatically think, well, these are players that I want to trade for right now because 
well, I'm losing. They're not going to help me. You know, what, what do we always do? We buy the cheap injured players when they're hurt, like Tank Dell. Tank Dell is great to buy as a, as a tanking team right now. But if I'm a tanking team, I also want to add assets to my roster now, especially assets that I think are going to increase. You know, there's going to be narrative in the offseason. We've talked about it this morning on the Monday morning drive. Join the patron. Players like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, a couple other wide receivers like that, that could see a boost in their value based on narrative. Do I want to try to get them now before that happens? A lot of future casting. You might guess wrong, but if you guess right, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you can then later trade these assets for even more assets. So that's just some of the random thoughts running through my brain. That range of receivers are really bulletproof in terms of how you would maneuver them, regardless of where your team is. You want those, you want the receivers in that range, but let's just dial it back. Let's make it a little more specific for some of the listeners. So first scenario is you're out of it. Your team sucks. You've already passed the trade deadline. You're not allowed to trade again until the season's over, meaning the demand for somebody like Samaj P. Ryan, Zach Moss, those guys, there is none. You're getting nothing from them. You should have already moved them. Now we don't advocate for trade deadlines, but you know, if you had those guys in week 12, you should have moved them for anything. You know, they don't really offer you a ton of value on your roster other than, okay, I have a couple live grenades next year that could or could not help me, but I'm stuck with them. And I'm not going to be able to go, well, wait until I trading open backs up in my league and I can trade them because nobody's going to want those guys when we get to the offseason. Those are the opposite of guys that you would want. So my question is, let's say that's your case. Are you actually more apt to buy those types of players if they're like dirt cheap preparing for next year? What do you do in those circumstances? Who are you actually trying to sell or buy at that point once everything resets after this year? All right, and not to go off on this tangent, right? But the first thing I'm doing is going to my league and going, this is why trade deadlines are stupid. Everyone that's not in the playoff hunt is going to go into hibernation. Starting now until uh, July of next year. Please get rid of the trade deadline or I'm leaving the league. I don't want to say I'm like a, a, a D celebrity. I'm like an E celebrity in fantasy spaces. That might be enough to pull to get people to actually get rid of that trade deadline. I'm still working the waiver wire, right? I'm still trying to pick up young quarterbacks. I'm still trying to pick up running backs. I'm still trying to pick up wide receivers that might pop. But like I was saying, even with the future casting with players that I want to trade for, even if I can't do that, are there any players on the waiver wire that I think could have a narrative boost, right? Is Samaj Piran on the waiver wire? Did someone drop Royce Freeman because Kyron Williams came back and had a 98% opportunity share, whatever ridiculous amount he had? Because even though it looks like a nothing move, and it could be, I could just cut these players later. Let's just say Kyron Williams goes out there tomorrow and blows out his knee. God, God forbid. Um, but it won't happen because... Well, there's no Tuesday night football. But say Kyron Williams does go out there, gets injured. Royce Freeman steps in, and all of a sudden, Royce Freeman is Kyron Williams' light for the next four games in the regular season and through the playoffs for the Rams. There's going to be a little bit of narrative for him. Like, maybe I can trade him for a third. And again, a third isn't a lot, but we're grinding the edges at this point because our team sucks, right? You suck. That's the title of this episode. You suck. So we need to grind the edges and make moves like that, that we can add even minimal value to our rosters. Yeah. One thing that I'm definitely doing that I need to be better at that hopefully there's uh, some time, some dead time during the holidays where I can do this before the season ends, you know, the dynasty season closes, leagues lock for the off season waivers don't run again in some leagues until the draft. So you're basically stuck with what you have mm-hmm. shy of being able to cut players, but there's no ability to churn and burn spots. 
I'm going to be very cognizant of identifying where the deadweight clogger players are on my team. And they're names that you might look at and go, man, those were usable during the season. But reality is they're roster cloggers. Guys like Curtis Samuel, receivers that you maybe used sporadically, but you're going, even if they are back in the same role that they had this year, they have no value. Their value is basically what did they give me in a pinch when I needed them. And hopefully if I ever needed them, they produced one of the two of the three good games they had all year during that week. And there's a lot of players we're rostering. There's a lot of receivers we're rostering, but it's not just receivers. It's running backs. There's a lot of running backs we're rostering and you're going, sure, this guy's going to be on a team. Maybe. You know, but why am I rostering some of these running backs that have just been lingering there? You know, why am I carrying guys like Keontae Ingram? Why am I carrying 10 Jaleel McLaughlin's? You know, they, in the season, those guys are nice to pick up and use if you ever have a chance to use them. But the reality is once the rookies come in, once a bunch of players hit free agency, once rosters get shuffled, a lot of those guys just go back to being they're only as good as whatever their next opportunity is. And a lot of them aren't guaranteed any opportunity. So I'm going through and I'm probably going to have to pick and choose the ones that I think I can move. But the question is, what do you do if you can't get anything for them? Curtis Samuel, I can't even get a fourth. What do you do? And what are a lot of people's response going to be if you say, hey, Curtis Samuel's on the block. Let's say this is a league where there's five rounds of rookie picks. I mean, Shane hates that. But Shane, I can't even get a fifth. What do I do? 30-man rosters. I have a Curtis Samuel. I don't want to cut him because someone else will pick him up. I could argue that cutting him actually might be the better move because then some idiot's going to blow 20% of their fab because he's the best player that's been on this waiver wire ever. Someone will pick him up. But what do you do if you can't get any draft capital for those guys? Because the situation of the time of year is not going to lend itself to being able to get draft capital for a guy like that. 28-year-old journeyman receiver who really isn't startable. Why would anyone give you anything? So what do you do? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my answer is, but I'm curious what you do with those types of players. Do you just... Oh, well, let's see if they get a roll next year. Do you just hold them and let them sit? Yeah, I mean, exactly that. I look at the waiver wire and I go, is there anyone on this waiver wire that if everything broke right, I'd be able to get more than I could for Curtis Samuel if he goes out next year and I have enough sense to trade him after one of his blow-up games and accept at that point that a third is all I'm going to get. I'm fine holding him on my roster in a 30-man lineup or a 30-man roster because I I don't really need to cut anyone. And it's going to expand in the offseason, most leagues do, right? So I'm guessing that expands to 35 or 40. I literally have no reason to cut anyone other than someone that retires and or goes to prison. So I'll just hold on to them till the next season. If I can't trade them at that point, and I have absolute actual roster crunch decisions at that point, which I don't think I will with the 30-man roster, then I can cut them. There's really no harm in me holding him right now till next year to see if he does have another blow-up week like he did a few times this year and then move him for anything I can get at that point. The market's already told me that there, I can't even get a fifth for him right now. So maybe I should have tried to move him when he was uh, hot for one week. Well, yeah. And the problem is people say that now. And then when they get into the season, they go, oh, man, because the reality is with a guy like Curtis Samuel, what's his value going to be next year when he has a good game? It ain't a third. No one's ever given you a third. It's going to be, I'll take him from you. Shane, I'll give you a fourth. Give me a 26 fourth, Shane. And you're going to go, ah, oh, man, I shouldn't sell him for 26 fourth. So it's just going to be a perpetual cycle. You won't move him for a fourth. You'll hold him again. And you'll go, hopefully when he's 29, the next year, he can actually be usable. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going through finding those Coggers players. I'll trade Curtis Samuel. Give me Jacoby Brissett. Give me Taylor Heineke. Give me Marcus Mariota. Give me every backup quarterback that could win a job as a backup next year. 
the path to getting something for those guys is much higher. Andy Dalton. You think you can trade Curtis Samuel for a guy like Andy Dalton, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so why wouldn't you do that? Andy well, right Dalton, now. if he gets a spot start right now, Andy Dalton gets a spot start next year, guarantee you can get a third for him. Curtis Samuel, no one will know when to play him, so they won't give you a third. So I think my point is this is a savvy move because people do not value backup quarterbacks in the offseason. Me, if you listen to my roster construction series, Every roster I plan to have 40% of my roster being quarterbacks going into the offseason. So I'm going to value every backup quarterback as a third rounder. Now, on paper, I wouldn't give a third round pick for them, but I'd give a shit ton of these roster clogger players for them. A lot of times people just accept trades because they haven't thought about it. So they just go, yeah, sure. And you know what? Part of the fun of that trade is they probably won't think about it because it's the most pointless meaningless trade they've ever gotten in their inbox. Shane will accept a couple of those because it says a trade's been completed. I learned my lesson several years, several, several years ago when Austin Eckler, I don't know if anyone remembers this, was a nothing very early in his career. It was like his first year, maybe his second Mm -hmm. year, I don't remember. But I traded him and I don't even remember the player that I traded for. But I just traded Austin Eckler for some random backup to the bet to the running back I had because I went, eh, whatever, he's on my roster. Without a thought, you know what I mean? Without a thought, and that still stays with me. And it was in like a hyper league, which tells you how long ago it was. It had to be at least six years ago at this point, but I still remember that. So most most of the time, I won't just blindly accept it just to get a deal done. I will say that. That's a bad move. Don't blindly accept deals. You win some and you lose some, but I do think you can find, even if it's not the quarterback strategy, you can find savvy ways. You may not realize the value today. You may realize the value down the road, but it's not, you're not giving up anything today. I think the key with some of this conversation is you give up a guy like Curtis Samuel, you're not giving anything up. You're literally giving up a headache that's you're on your roster where you're going, maybe there'll be a window, but you also know most likely the window you're not going to be willing to trade them for what somebody would actually give you. So that's an easy one. Let, let's talk real quick about the teams that still can trade in the deadline this year before the deadline or there's no deadline. Which so you is, can still which is trade this year. The only leagues that you should be playing in are non-deadline. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about the obvious trade candidates. If you got Zach Moss, if you got Ezekiel Elliott, those guys should be getting traded to somebody because you're not using them and they're running backs that are on probably the back part of their career and somebody may give you something in a short-term window. So I think those are obvious. It, Brandon Cooks, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans. If you can extract full value, DeAndre Hopkins, you're not competing. No issues just getting rid of those guys for some sort of flexible asset. You can probably get at least a second for all of those guys. And no problem doing that. There is no concern right now. It's too late to shed potential points, most likely. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, like, I can push my team to the bottom. You only have one more week left. Odds are your potential points are not lowering enough to where, oh, man, I better trade all my future production away right now because my draft pick gets better. It's probably too late. But back to your point. Who do you want to talk about? I mean, I'll be specific, and I'll have a player take. Mike Evans, I'm just – I'm not going to trade. He can – pass away on my roster unless i'm on a, in a full rebuild like and i need assets you know what i mean but if i have one of those teams that i think maybe i just had a couple quarterback injuries you know unfortunately i had kyler in the beginning of the year and anthony richardson go down i i'm fine holding on to mike evans until next year well they're just holding on to mike evans period with the understanding that i'm never going to be able to move him because that's a player that i think he's just going to continue to put up no worse than wide receiver two seasons until he falls off the cliff Okay, so let me challenge you on that. Would you trade, and these are going to be two players that you don't like, 
but you may be selling quote unquote low in terms of value. So you're not a playoff team, right? So you're going to have a top six second round pick. So let's call it the 204. Would you give up the 204 and Jamison Williams for Mike Evans on a team that you're out of it? I'm giving up Jamison Williams in the 204. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Quentin again. Johnston in the 204. Yes. Yes. So I'm giving up nothing and a 204 for Mike Evans. And this, this is all I'm saying is that 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 is a move that you would not expect a rebuilding team to be willing to do. So if you send it, someone may go, okay, what's the angle here that Shane is trying? He's out of it. He's sending Mm -hmm. me an early second and a young player. I don't like Quentin Johnston or Jamison Williams. Neither of us do. But I guarantee as soon as the season ends, both of them could have done something to where a small fraction of the community is like, oh man, I'm going to take a shot plus a second. A lot of people would go, that's not a smart move as a rebuilding team. But you're advocating if you can buy a guy like Mike Evans or Keenan Allen or something at that price, you're willing to just say, screw it. Whatever they're going to give me next year is worth me giving up that right now, right? Let, Let me buy those assets now. And could I make that trade in the off season? Maybe, probably, who knows? Here's the scenario. They may be shopping him to other contenders the other contenders do not expect that Shane as the ninth place team is going to be wanting to buy. Right. Right. So I think this could be an angle where in leagues, I'm in some leagues where there's contenders that are posting trade baits. I'm a contender also, or there's rebuilders that are posting trade baits. I'm a contender. Someone just sent me Derek Henry today for a mid second. Now I like Derek Henry. He could help me as a contender. But I looked at my running back room. I have Jameer Gibbs, Josh Jacobs, and David Montgomery. Why do I need to buy Derrick Henry? There's some teams where my contending teams don't need to buy right now. So maybe a rebuilding team might say, you know what? I'll buy one of those guys. So I think it's an angle that you can exploit and enter a market where not a lot of rebuilding teams are entering that market. And maybe that's where the value is. It's kind of a zig when everybody else is zagging, right? Right. There is something nice about the certainty. And it's only for specific players too, right? It's literally Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, those two specific wide receivers. I'd be uh, 100% on board. I think the real question is, you go a tier below that. Are you still doing that for a guy like Tyler Lockett? You don't even know where he's going to be next year. No, you know what? I don't need to because Tyler Lockett, specific. I know I can get him at any point in the so even cheaper than he's a tier below those guys okay that's you know him and amari cooper were my favorite wide receiver buys last offseason didn't particularly work out for me too well except for a few games because of deshaun watson's issues but it's a move that i'll still make every time and feel pretty secure in how it goes and last question would you pay that for guys that you've seen produce before but may have started to hit the cliff a little bit would you pay that for uh terry mclaurin yes Okay. So you, there's some guys you're willing to kind of pay the bounce back price on a little bit. Right. Right. Okay. Interesting. This is a range where if you're willing to give up picks for these types of players, I do think there is a market where you can buy back into them. Just depends on the pulse of the manager and how they feel about that player. But I do think shopping Cooper Cup, would he fit in the Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, or is there too much risk there? That uh, My dude looks absolutely washed, completely washed. Looks absolutely just atrocious. Okay. Interesting. How It's interesting how like a month can change things in Dynasty, isn't it? He had that excellent game when he came back and everybody's like Cooper Cup is uh, he's still Cooper Cup. And then since then, he's uh, proceeded to diarrhea all over himself repeatedly. Puka no Kua was out for an entire quarter on Sunday and Cooper Cup uh, ended up with three receptions on the day. 
And one more name. It's a guy that's been fairly productive this year. He has a pretty good pedigree in the past. Would you be willing to buy guys that are still kind of in their prime? You just don't maybe know what their ceiling is. Would you pay that 204 and J-Mo or Quentin Johnston? I, I say those two names. I know you don't like them. But there's a market for them. But they're, they, they're they, at least they worth a third on the market. Yeah. So there's somebody in your league that would go, I'll take a, I'll give you a third for QJ. I'll give you a third for Jameson Williams. So they do add a little value. Would you give up that for a guy like Jacoby Myers? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so we've moved up the threshold to where, like, if you can get a guy like Jacoby Myers that's 27, 28 years old and has been moderately productive, you would just take that and walk away from the pick. Yes. These are the types of players that you're going to be getting for that, right? I know yeah. there, there's some people. Yeah. You're not getting Nico Collins and Michael Pittman for that. You weren't. Right. You, you could have maybe four weeks ago. For some reason on KTC, both of those dudes are still too low. So if you can get either of them for an in one first, do it. But that's not the type of players you're going to be getting with these picks. Just not Jerry Judy. No, Jerry Judy's bad at football. <laughs> We've seen enough of Jerry Judy. He could go to another team. He could. And he I'll has a name. The narrative would definitely improve upon him. But so you'd give up the 204 now. You know what you could sell wow. Jerry Judy for? Everything breaks right for Jerry Judy. He's a Kansas City Chief next year. You know what you're sharing him for? 201. Okay. But can you get more than the 204 for Jacoby Myers? No, but I'll get so. production from him. Okay. That so that's the analysis is it's either production or value. You're saying Jerry Judy, no matter what, is below production that you would ever get. Yeah. And you couldn't sell him for more than the pick you're already giving. Right. At least Jacoby I, Myers can immediately become a guy you just use until you've used him enough and then he's gone, right? I just sent Jerry Judy to the Chiefs and I'm still not willing to pay more than a 201 for him. Chiefs isn't a great spot for receivers, Shane. He needs to go to like probably a good offense with a good quarterback that was willing to concentrate the ball to him. So I don't even know what landing spot that would be, but whatever the, your utopian Jerry Judy landing spot, you're Texans more than a two, two Oh one for Nico Collins is the one there, baby. So what about tank Dell tank Dell's coming back next year. There's nothing for Jerry Judy to do there except stare at those two making plays. Well, this show's been off the rails, but I think it's been fun to talk about things you can do when you suck or your dynasty team sucks more specifically. Think of ways that are going to go against the grain of what the typical dynasty show would tell you to do. Everybody can say, oh man, sell all your old players going into the offseason. Buy all those young players. Let's go buy low on T. Higgins because he didn't have a great year. Doesn't work. There's no such thing as a buy low or a sell high. You can try to send the offers, but don't be shocked when you go, man, this is not matching what everyone has told me to try to do. So think outside the box. Think of things where if everyone else says that might be a little bit antithetical towards what you should do, that's probably something to think about doing. And as long as you can tell yourself a narrative as to why it might be worth it, go ahead and try it. So if you like these episodes where we just go all over the place, uh, hit us up. Let us know if you have any future episodes. We're going to need some content ideas for Mannequin Show. Otherwise, it's just Shane and I rambling. Yeah, about what's fine. on our mind, but maybe that's what everybody likes. So with that, good luck week 14. Thank you everybody for all the support on the channel. Check out the discord at patreon.com backslash all gas or destination And we'll see you next week. Mannequin chill is out.